these eight parameters that I've used the last nine years in this industry have helped me keep a somewhat level head with preseason expectations and preseason evaluations. Hello and welcome in. It is always college football. Today is a Friday edition. It's April 7th. I hope you guys have enjoyed Augusta National up to this point. I know I have, that's for sure. But I also know that you're really looking forward to some of the action that's coming up in the next couple weekends when it comes to your team's spring game. I have a handbook for you. I have a rule book for you. I have some guidelines and some bullet points that I want to lay out because I feel like we all, because we're starved, we're starved for football at this time of the year. We can't wait to see what our team might look like. We can't wait to see some of the newcomers and the new faces that will be occupying difference-making spots for our teams here in the fall. But I put together some rules that you need to follow when it comes to your evaluation of your team, both pre and post spring game. We're also going to have a little fun. Talk a little bit about Augusta National and how there are some parallels to college football. I think there's more parallels than you might assume. Let's not waste any time. Let's talk about it. The spring game handbook. There are a set of rules that I want everyone to begin to live by because we, as consumers of the greatest sport in the world, have a tendency to react strongly to the performance of a team or a player in a spring environment. So I just want to go through my eight rules as it relates to spring game consumption and making sure that we all maintain a level head. I'm not preaching, by the way, so I promise you I'm not preaching. Apply these as you will. You can treat them as if they're the Ten Commandments, or you can treat them as if they're written on a napkin. You can tear it up and throw it in the trash. Whatever you want to do with it is perfectly up to you, but these eight parameters that I've used the last nine years in this industry have helped me keep a somewhat level head with preseason expectations and preseason evaluations. Okay, let's start with rule number one, probably the most important rule. Don't overreact. Now, you're also going to notice here on pretty much all of these rules, you can probably apply some level of overreaction to what you see. If, for instance, your offense goes out and looks awful, your starting quarterback goes out and looks terrible, your secondary gets scorched, your new offensive coordinator comes in and all of a sudden they can't complete a forward pass. When your expectations are coming into the spring, it's going to be a whole different world. This is going to be amazing. So for instance, when you're watching Wisconsin's spring game, and you think about, oh man, it's going to be this huge shift from a philosophy standpoint to going from a 21-based personnel, a 12-based personnel with two backs, a tight end and two wide receivers, or one back, two tight ends, two wide receivers, whatever the circumstances are. Shifting from that to a four-receiver set, you're probably expecting fireworks in the spring game, right? You probably are. Well, if they don't happen, it's okay. 
guess what? You still have four more months, five more months in some cases between your spring game and when you have to take the field in week zero or week one. Don't overreact because there's a lot of time to figure things out between now and when we get to when the points, touchdowns, interceptions, and all those other things, there's a lot of time between now and when they actually matter. That's rule number one. Rule number two. And this applies a little bit to Michigan's spring game last week. If And everyone has their different formats, right? Like some people go ones versus ones. Some people go ones versus twos. Some people just basically allow the leaders or the captains on the team to draft the team. That's what Michigan did last week, for instance. So they just had Team Maze and Team Blue. Basically, you just draft. All right, I'll take this guy. You take this guy. I'll take this guy. You take this guy. Well, when you put teams together like that, I think it makes it really fun. It's my preferred way of putting together a spring scrimmage because of a few different things. One, you find out immediately how your teammates feel about you. That's really important. Now, you're going to sit there and say, well, why does that matter? Well, if I'm Jim Harbaugh and I'm watching my players draft teams and J.J. McCarthy takes a wide receiver that I thought would be third on the depth chart, well, maybe, maybe there's maybe there's something to that. Maybe they're seeing something outside of the 20 hours that we spend with the players. Maybe the players who are together all the time, maybe they're seeing something more. So I love the idea of formatting it where the teams and the players are drafted from just one giant pool of players. But the problem with that format is that there's very little continuity and there's very little chemistry. So the second string left guard is next to the first string center who's next to the second string left guard is next to the first string right tackle. There's going to be difficult continuity to be able to create. The backup wide receiver who plays the X is now trying to develop a rapport with a guy that's only been repping with the starting receivers for the last 14 practices. So if it goes down the rabbit hole and if your team is drafting players, don't panic if the offense looks terrible. Because the the offense is probably going to look terrible in that situation because continuity on offense is far more important than continuity on defense. Because on offense, it takes all 11 players executing in unison to create a positive play. Whereas on defense, all it takes is one. All it takes is one defensive tackle kicking your right guards behind. And next thing you know, you have a sack fumble or a tackle for loss that sets you behind the sticks. And next thing you know, your drive is dead. So if you are drafting teams, don't worry if the offense doesn't click the way you want it to click. That's rule number two. Rule number three, if your defense, and particularly if your secondary gets crushed, don't panic. Why do I say that? Because in spring scrimmages, most of the time, and I'm saying all the time, but most of the time, you are getting very vanilla coverage. There's very little disguise. There's very little blitz. There's very little, uh, I guess, exotics that you're going to do in coverage because spring is an evaluation time. 
you're not evaluating at that point. You're not evaluating whether or not guys can execute a specific or a game plan specific play. You're just evaluating if a guy can read and react and play fast. So what do I want? If I'm a defensive coordinator, if I'm calling a defense in a spring game, what do I want to see so I can evaluate each individual player? I don't want them thinking. I want them reacting. I want them playing. So I'm going to call the coverages that require the least amount of thought. So as a result, I'm going to call base coverage. And most quarterbacks and wide receivers, for that matter, are going to be able to chop up base coverage every single snap because it's the same coverages we've been seeing since we were way back in the eighth grade. You should be able to chop up quarters coverage. You should be able to chop up strong side rotation cover three. It's a breeze. It's really easy to try to chop up base coverage. So if your secondary gets exposed, it's probably because guys are being put in a situation where the exotic looks that you would use in the fall aren't going to be shown in a spring game environment. That's rule number three. If your secondary stinks in the spring, it doesn't mean they're terrible. Just relax. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Number four. If your spring game is set up in a ones versus twos situation, or you have a situation, and I've seen this a lot, where the starters will go against the backups. So the starting offense will play against the backups. You're going to notice a massive gap between the ones and the twos. Now, some schools, that gap is not quite so significant. But most of the time, the twos are going to be way behind the starters. Why? Because of the transfer portal. A lot of guys after the season that would have been twos have now left to go elsewhere. So as a result, and I talked with Dana Holgerson about this last Saturday when I was on site for the XFL, I went to Houston spring practice. They have very few players that are on the field. They're expecting 20 more incoming players in June. They had 18 arrive this January, and they had tons of departures at the end of last season. Why? Because there's a ton of turnover right now in college football. So when you are putting together your spring depth chart, which, by the way, is very fluid, the guys that are currently occupying second string positions might ultimately, when it comes to fall, be third and fourth stringers. There might be walk-ons that are getting extensive reps that are getting destroyed 
by a top-tier starting caliber player, all-conference caliber player. So if you are seeing a situation where the ones are playing against the twos, and there's a lot of coaches that will format their spring like that, don't get too bullish on what your offense and defense looks like. The ones should dominate the twos. If they don't, that's where I would start to have some concerns. So I've seen some teams go out there and score 60 points with their starting offense going against their backups. And everyone's like, oh my goodness, we have the best offense in the country. No, you don't. You just formatted your spring to make sure that the offense looked elite. Which, by the way, as an offensive guy, I don't totally hate. So don't get too overzealous if you go out there and both sides of your starting lines look dominant, especially if they're playing against backups and in some cases, third string players. Let's go to number five. And I already hit on this just a little bit. Right now, your roster, as much as ever before in college football, is in transition. And the spring, like I referenced earlier, is an evaluation period. You're not worried about figuring out at this point who's going to be your starter week one or week zero. You're not worried about that. Yeah, you want to have competition. You want to create competition. You want to create in practice game-like situations. And the spring game is the most game-like situation that you can create. There's fans in the stands. There's coaches in the booth. They're radioing down. They're signaling on the sideline. It is as real time as it gets. It's a tremendous simulation, but that's exactly what it is, is it's a simulation. And it's an evaluation period to watch how your players respond in that environment. But if you make a lasting judgment on a player, you're probably going to be mistaken. And given the turnover, like I just referenced with Houston and like with so many other programs across the country, there's a lot of places that have a lot of guys leaving in the portal and a lot of guys coming in on January 1st, and then a lot of guys coming in in June when they return for summer. Your roster is incomplete. And if you notice on your roster a significant hole, don't worry. Because the 15-day portal window is about to reopen, which means you're going to be able to go out and probably get a really good piece when the portal opens up in just a couple days. It's a great situation to be in. If you need, for instance, and I think this is probably the position that you can most take advantage of, quarterbacks, if you're deep in a quarterback competition, the likelihood of jumping into the portal at this point, pretty slim. Now, if you're the third string guy and we're kind of left behind the starting two that'll go into the summer as the top two contenders for the competition, if you're the third string guy, maybe you get him. But is that really a guy you're wanting to bring right in and plug and play? Probably not. But at wide receiver in particular, I would be very, very bullish on being able to add a wide receiver at this point of the process. Offensive linemen are not going to move as much because those guys were rotating in and probably getting a bunch of reps in the spring to begin with. But wide receivers have a tendency to be notoriously disgruntled. As someone that played the position, I felt like I was constantly having to talk wide receivers off the ledge. Hey man, why aren't you getting me any looks? Hey, why do you keep looking at Julio? Hey, why don't you look in my direction? I'm wide open every single snap. And if they don't get the touches that they want or the targets that they want in spring practice or in the spring game, guys are going to enter their name in the portal really quickly. 
The bigger the diva position, and no disrespect to wide receivers, but they are a little bit diva. It's okay. I say that lovingly because some of my best friends in the world are wide receivers. But that was a position group that would have a little bit more of an emotional roller coaster because it would go practice to practice based on how many balls they caught. So you're going to have 10, 12, 15, 20 wide receivers that enter the portal in the next three weeks that might become immediate starters somewhere else because they're really talented. They just didn't take the priority that they thought they might take heading into the spring. So your roster is in flux right now and there might be a gap or two, but don't worry, the portal opens up and you might be open for business here in the next couple of weeks. That is rule number five. Rule number six, talked about this a little bit already with Wisconsin. If you are breaking in a new coordinator and if you are completely changing the game with your philosophy, don't get concerned if it hasn't quite taken just yet. For instance, and there are no specific examples of this, but if you are a four-down defensive line and you run four-down, two linebackers, five defensive backs, and a standard four-down nickel defense, changing to a 3-4 is very, very different. If you want to go with a head-up nose and a traditional three-down front, those defensive linemen went from gap penetrators to two gappers, and that changes a whole lot. That's a totally different world if you're a defensive lineman. And then offensively, things are going to be very, very different. Defensive adjustments and defensive philosophies, pretty much universal. And you can have different philosophies naturally. We get that. But offensive philosophies to the untrained eye are probably going to be a little bit more noticeable. So I already referenced the shift that Wisconsin is undergoing. Now, they've been trying to implement spread. They've been trying to move in that direction a little bit more, but now they're all in. If they go out there and Tanner Mordecai looks a little erratic, if the wide receivers and the quarterback aren't on the same page, if the protection isn't ideal, don't worry. Because Phil Longo is going to get it figured out. It's just at this point, only 14 practices prior to when you take the field for spring game are not enough time to be able to completely install a new system. You have all summer to work throwing and catching in your seven-on-sevens. You have all of fall camp, which will give you ample time to make adjustments and continue to tweak and find the best possible personnel for the philosophy that you want to run. If you are undergoing a massive shift and you look less than stellar, it's going to be okay. You have plenty of time to iron out some of the wrinkles that your offense and or defense may have. That is rule number six. Rule number seven. And I would be willing to bet that there will be a freshman that pops. There's going to be a guy that goes out there and he has an amazing performance in the spring game. I'll use Michigan as an example because they're one of the biggest examples so far of a team that's already had their spring game. Last week watching Michigan, and I'm like, man, this Benjamin Hall guy is re the real deal at running back. Like, this guy is a monster. He's 235 pounds, but he's got burst, had that 31-yard run around the corner. Like, he looks like the real deal. And at 235, he's going to be a great short yardage situation guy. 
And I said all this on the show on Monday. I'm like, hey, man, I'm impressed with this guy. I really do. I like this guy a lot. But there will be a freshman that pops in your team's game that had four stars next to his name coming out in the recruiting process. And you're going to say, oh my goodness, this guy is the next Trevor Lawrence. So when you watch Tennessee's spring game and Nico Imaleva goes out and throws three touchdowns, it doesn't mean that he's going to start day one and become a, you know, the first multi-Heisman winner since Archie Griffin. Just slow your roll a little bit. These are freshmen. And what did I talk about just a moment ago? At quarterback and at wide receiver, respectively. What did I talk about a moment ago? What kind of coverages are they facing? They're about as basic and vanilla as humanly possible. And specifically to the quarterback position, you'll notice something different about their jersey color. Right? You're going to notice that their jersey color is different from pretty much everyone else on the team. Why? Because they can't get hit. So if a freshman comes in and wows you, do not put all your eggs in that basket just yet. I'm not saying you can't be excited about them. I'm not saying you can't have high hopes for what they might ultimately become. But also understand that it's a little bit of a process. There are no blitzes. There are no coverage adjustments. There are no exotic coverages. And the quarterback can just stand back there in the pocket, hold it forever, knowing that he's not facing a live pass rush. So if a freshman pops, be excited, but don't go all in just yet. Because it's a very, very different world when you take the field in the fall when compared to when you take the field in a spring game environment. And then finally, rule number eight. If you are teetering on the edge right now about whether or not you're going to attend your team's spring game, do it. Do it. Now you're going to say, well, I can just watch it in the comforts of my own home. Like I want to watch, I want to watch the masters. I want to, I want to go and I want to enjoy my spring weather here in the fall. And I'm not really interested at this point in going and, and driving all the way to to Columbus and, and going and sitting in the horseshoe to watch the spring game. I'm not really interested in driving you know, all the way to Lubbock if I live in Dallas to watch Texas Tech spring game. Like I just don't have that much interest in it. Uh, I'm, I'm okay. But if you're on the fence, go. I can tell you from my own personal experience that I played in Nick Saban's first spring game in Tuscaloosa. And when I walked out on the field as a redshirt freshman that was 18 years old, taking the field in Bryant-Denny for the first time, to see 92,000 people and probably more than that, complete sellout and the walkways up to the upper deck were completely full with people at every level as well. I think the fire marshal probably didn't want to count the heads that were in attendance that day, but I can tell you this, the excitement level that was created by having a full venue at spring day cannot be overstated when it comes to benefiting your program on the recruiting trail. Now, I know things have changed a little bit. I know, look, NIL is a factor. I know all the other factors that, that matter now when it relates, when it comes to when guys choose where they choose. But when you are able to sell to a program or sell your program to a recruit by saying, hey, man, you think you want earning potential in NIL? 
Look how many people showed up for a game that doesn't matter. Look up and see how many people showed up for a scrimmage. That's how much football matters at our place. That resonates. So if you're on the fence and you're thinking, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to go to the spring game, go. It will help you. I'm not saying that your house necessarily needs to be packed. If for whatever reason there aren't 100,000 that, that fill up the horseshoe when Ohio State takes the spring, doesn't mean it's going to hurt you on the recruiting trail. I don't think there's any downside if your spring game is sparsely attended. But there is significant upside if you have a packed house. We've seen it at Georgia. We've seen it at Alabama. We've seen it at a handful of other places. You can sense the excitement and you can sense some of the momentum that gets created when you have a full house at the spring game. Now, in closing, I'll finish by saying this. Those are the eight rules. Don't overreact. If your teams get drafted, don't worry if the offense is lagging a little bit behind the defense. Number three, they're going to be in base coverages. Don't sweat it if your coverage team gets burned in the secondary. Number four, keep in mind the gap that exists between ones and twos. So don't get overexcited if your ones dominate your twos. They should dominate your twos. Number five, your roster is incomplete, but keep an eye on the portal. It opens up here pretty soon. You might be able to go snag a difference maker for your team when it opens up here after the spring. Number six, if you're breaking a new coordinator, understand that 14 practices is not enough time to install a new offense. You're going to need all summer and you need all of fall camp for that thing to start to look like a well-oiled machine. Number seven, there's going to be a freshman that looks unstoppable. Resist the urge to anoint him the next Cam Newton. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Likelihood is he probably won't be. Likelihood is he might not even play a huge role for your team in the fall. So if he looks great, be excited, but don't start putting all your eggs into that basket, assuming he's going to be the difference maker that puts your team over the top. And then finally, do not take for granted the importance of your attendance at your team's spring game. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. I'm Archie Manning, and I used to play quarterback. 
That's a nice shot right there. Now I run a passing camp with my sons. The first family of quarterbacks passing on their quarterback knowledge at the Manning Passing Academy. Get that left shoulder toward that target. This year, we invited four of our favorite prospects. I didn't know Mary Lou Rett was attending the Manning Passing Academy. And kept tabs on them throughout the season. Hey, Archie, how you doing? That was a great comeback against Texas. Hey, fellas, we work every day for this, man. He's got the build of a tight end. If he could just throw it to himself, he'd be unstoppable. <laughs> Cup of Joe? Put some mayo in there. And coffee? Why not? Mel Kuyper better have this in his scouting report. <laughs> As they jockeyed to be a top pick in the NFL draft. Will Levis and then Hooker. Anthony Richardson is dangerous. That is patented Bryce Young magic. The Carolina Panthers are on the clock. All right. There it was, a little preview of On the Clock, debuting Monday on the ESPN family of networks. You don't want to miss this. If you're into quarterback play, I know you're college football fans. I know there's more draft related, but they follow them throughout the season. It all started at the Manning Passing Academy last summer in Thibodeau, Louisiana. You got Bryce Young. You got Anthony Richardson. You got Will Levis. You got Hendon Hooker. What more can you possibly ask for? for a behind-the-scenes look at what these guys are and how they navigated throughout last year. So you don't want to miss it. Check it out on the ESPN family of networks, on ESPN+, Plus. you name it, you'll find it. You're going to love it, especially if you're a quarterback chunky like me. And if you're an NFL fan, check it out there as well. It's going to be absolutely terrific because one of those four guys might be your future franchise quarterback. You never know. So appreciate so much you guys being with us today. I hope you enjoy the Masters. The Masters is going to be terrific this weekend, assuming this weather stays away because we're looking like it's going to be a little bit muddy there in Augusta, Georgia throughout the course of the weekend. But it's been a great show today. We'll be back next week for more college football content because as you guys know, just like it is for all of us, for Jack Foster, for Mark Kubiak, I'm Greg McElroy. It's always college football. We look forward to seeing you guys next week. We hope you have a great week. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.